Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. It's time once again for another Growing in Grace podcast. Mike Kapler here and Joel Brzezinski right across the room there, about Howdy five hi. miles from me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And uh, we're no so secret. glad you found us and for sharing it with a friend. A lot of people sharing our podcasts out there and more people discovering some freedom they they never really understood in much of their religious life. So, you know, if you're one of those people who has been involved for any length of time at Church Incorporated, then you've probably got some things to unlearn. I know I have, and Joel would uh, concur, I'm sure. And uh, and yet at the same time, it seems to be a never-ending process, always unlearning something after many years of hearing traditional religious Bible teaching that kind of mixed up the Old Covenant with this new covenant that we're under now in Christ. We need to separate those things because not everything in the Word of God is necessarily written to us. It can be for us, but it's not necessarily written to us directly. And so once we figure out the two different covenants that are in place, we can kind of grow in, in the freedom and the peace of mind that, that God intended for us. Yeah, that's really important. I mean, when we started doing this podcast, which is almost 12 years ago, I mean, we knew we kind of had knowledge of the, the difference between the covenants, but we've really gotten more focused on that in recent years because we realized that it is such a big issue. It is, it is something that <laughs> we really do need to know that in the church because— uh, as we've said many times, if you pick up your Bible and think that everything is meant to apply to you, I'm meant to read this verse here in Leviticus or here in Habakkuk or, or whatever, and it's supposed to apply to me, or Malachi or whatever, then you know, you're know you mixing the two covenants together. We've got to separate those covenants, and so it is good to know that. Uh, it is good to separate those two covenants, and we've got myriads of podcasts now that you can go back and listen to regarding those covenants, and I do encourage you to do that. You know, it's really good to do, to know the difference. You know, what we've been talking about the last you know, few weeks here, we've been leading up to this verse in First John. This is one of those verses that people take right out of context, and we've been trying to—last week we shared the context— that leads up to 1 John 1, 9, to show how you can't really just take that verse and apply it, as I was talking about, to believers. Now, here's a different thing. Here's something else that you have to separate. I was just talking about how we separate the Old Covenant from the New Covenant. Well, there are actually also words that are written in the New Testament epistles that are meant for unbelievers and not for believers. 1 John 1, 9, as we basically concluded last week, as we, as we were talking about, as we led up with the context leading up to 1 John 1, 9, John was writing in that epistle, in the first part of that epistle, the first 10 verses, basically, the first chapter, he was trying to help these people, just to recap here, trying to help these people understand, these Gnostic unbelievers, that Jesus had really come in the flesh, and that sin was really an issue. He wanted them to acknowledge that there was this thing called sin, and then they could receive 
the forgiveness that God had provided through Jesus Christ, who had come in the flesh. He was really trying to drive that point home, that Jesus had come in the flesh. The Gnostics believed that Jesus had not come in the flesh because all matter was evil, and so God couldn't come in the flesh because that's matter, and uh, all matter was evil. So anyway, so listen to last week and get caught up on that if you want to. And so uh, we end up here with a better understanding of, of how to read this first chapter in First uh, John. Yeah, uh, th- those last podcasts would at least be good to go and catch back up on. So this this verse was a big part of my life as a Christian for many years I, because I, I viewed it as a safety net. I thought this would be something that would help keep me redeemed. It would be a bit of a redemption for me to be able to fall back on this verse because when I wasn't living up to the standard that I thought was required, whether it was my own standard or God's standard or whatever the case was, uh, the religious people's standard, the new American revised standard Bible, whatever it was that I was trying to live up to, I always thought, well, I've always got this to fall back on. I, I can always confess and ask God basically for forgiveness again start over again, not realizing, Joel, like what we were just talking about, that this was very similar, minus the blood, very similar to the Jewish people in the first covenant going back and sacrificing animals to to cover their sins and and doing it repeatedly and over and over again. And so here's this one verse sticking out that uh, religion has harped it upon us to constantly confess our our sins in order to maintain a, a type of fellowship and forgiveness with God. And yet, over the past several weeks, we've been talking about some things that would seem to butt heads, contradict in some ways, based on the uh, modern interpretation of this verse of First John 1, 9. Other passages that we've been talking about uh, over the last few weeks would, would seem to, to have a, a bit of a clash with this verse based on how it's interpreted. So if we confess our sins, first of all, if we say in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. That's John, again, speaking to these Gnostics. Uh, the truth is not in us if you're going to deny that sin uh, even exists. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and, and righteous or faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, we already know we're cleansed. We, we've discovered that in some of Paul's writings and other New Covenant writings. And one thing I would point out here, Joel, and then I'll, I'll let you kick in, but if we confess our sins, again, keeping in mind who he is speaking to here, people who have not come to grips with the reality that Jesus came in the flesh, this word sin, and, and, and this is the case more times than not in the New Testament, this word sins, it's, it's not the verb, it's the noun, it's the Greek word uh, hamartia, and it's, it's the sin condition that uh, we inherited from Adam. It's not individual actions of sin that we, that we might commit. I just wanted to throw that out there. So, uh, And we're going to tie this into something Paul said back in the book of Romans, but I'll let you jump in here, Joel. Yeah, you know, you were talking about the yeah, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, well, Christians, I think I mentioned this last week, Christians have already admitted and, you know, confessed, acknowledged that they have sinned. You know, that's how they came to believe the gospel. They needed a Savior, and so they acknowledged that they had sinned. John wasn't writing to Christians to tell them to acknowledge their sins. They already had. He wanted these unbelievers to acknowledge that there was such a thing as sin. So if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, Paul says in 1 Colossians 6, 11, But you were washed, 
but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. It's a done thing. We've been washed. We've been cleansed of all sin. We've been justified. We've been made righteous. It's, it's something that's already happened to us. It's not something that happens to us over and over again when we believers confess sins. And, and like you were saying, it's, you know, a, a lot of people consider it a safety net, and, and at least they have that if they believe that this verse is, is a safety net, that when you sin, you can confess your sins. But, but you're missing out on the fact that of what has been accomplished by the blood of Jesus. Your sin has been taken away. Your sin has been, is gone. He remembers it no more. Like we talked about a week or two ago, why are we bringing up things to God that he has already forgotten? He has purposed within himself to not remember our sins anymore. So why would we think that we need to confess them over and over again? He's put them as far as the east is from the west. He's buried them in deep in the sea. And so uh, those words, again, were meant for unbelievers so that they could come into the light, so that they could become part of this fellowship that's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that, that God has brought us into by the blood of Jesus. He's cleansed us and he's made us righteous, uh, again, by the blood of Jesus, not by uh, our over and over confessing of our sins. And so you were talking about uh, Romans, and I think you're uh, leading up to this this one confession. There is a confession that we, as unbelievers, we were meant to make, and it's the confession of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that, again, is not something that we do over and over and over again, but we confess Jesus is Lord, and then all of this becomes true of us. All that Christ has done for us, uh, we receive that uh, with that one confession. Yeah, and that verse you referred to a little bit ago, I, th- I think he said First Corinthians 6, 11. I, I thought I heard you say First Colossians. So oh, just yeah, in case, First Corinthians. Just yeah. in case, I thought I would mention that. Yeah, it is. Um, First Corinthians. But yeah, and, and something I think we touched on, but going into chapter 2, then John begins to address the, the believers. The, the, the language changes, and uh, he, he goes on to, to address them pretty much for the rest of the book. But getting back to this, this confession thing and what you were talking about in, in Romans chapter 10, this ties into what Paul said in Romans 10, ties into what John was discussing with those unbelievers in, in 1 John chapter 1, and that is specifically verse, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you conf- So it's, it's not a confession of sin. It's really the opposite of that in many ways. We acknowledge that we've sinned, as the last verse in 1 John chapter 1 states. We, we admit that we've committed the act of sinning. Nobody is denying that at all, of course. But now this, this confession with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So what's our confession? It's not sins not sins that God remembers no more, but a confession, not a whole bunch of confessions either, by the way, but a confession of the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus is Lord, believing in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. That's what brings salvation. I had this mentality, and I always believed this from Romans chapter 10, but I had the mentality that I needed to maintain this salvation somehow, and, and confession of sin was my way of doing that. 
I was ignorant of the completed work of Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed once for all. For with the heart, one believes and is justified, Paul continues, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. The scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So I I just think it's interesting that John was talking about a confession, but he's really talking about a, a confession of Jesus Christ, not speaking to Christians about maintaining some sort of fellowship or even salvation or forgiveness by confessing individual sins. Right. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's a big point that first John one nine, he's talking about the the sin condition, not a bunch of sins. Um, something that you had brought up uh, off the air, off the air. John says in First John four fifteen, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. Now, if we were to apply that like we apply First John one nine, we would have to confess Jesus is the Son of God over and over and over again every day. We would have to keep on confessing it. But uh, anyway, it's the one confession, the Lord Jesus Christ. Plenty more to be said about all this. Uh, We do hope you'll uh, continue tuning in to Growing in Grace as we talk more about confession and about these words that John wrote and, of course, some words from Paul, too. All coming up on Growing in Grace. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.